what is going on ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of the jays for days podcast i'm josh he's josh we got jays jumpers jaron jackson jr john Morans, joe johnson jaw raps of course we've got jays we got him for days josh how you doing well i didn't expect uh this podcast is going to go the way it's going to go but here we are we need to talk about Jawan howard but we just yeah. have to get winners and losers done first before we get to this bizarre scene that unfolded and i think you have strong feelings and i certainly do bizarre is a is the incorrect word embarrassing i guess that's fair it's a little little generous yeah embarrassing egotistical um yeah there yeah, are embarrassing is of, probably embarrassing embarrassing is probably the best word but uh we'll get to that in just a second josh is your winner this week texas tech dude it, it is so poetic that Chris Beard left Texas Tech and then lost to them twice in the in the following season. Yeah, and, and you know this was kind of a strange week where all these teams I wanted to make my winner didn't finish it off. Mm-hmm. Mention at least one of them that I was a couple of them I was looking at, but they didn't they didn't do it across multiple games. They just had signature wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech finished off season sweeps of Baylor and Texas. Yep, Kevin McCullough didn't play in either of those games. They're number, they were number 10 in the committee's first rankings. They scored 80 points, 80 over 80 points against TCU and Baylor in their second and third most recent games, and then put the clamps on Texas defensively, 161-55. I mean, there's not too much to discuss in terms of it's not shocking. They're a very good basketball team with a very mm-hmm. good coach. The one thing I will say in that Texas game, one of the reasons I continue to believe in this offense, even though it is tough to watch at times, is through Saturday's games, they were 12th in the country in total free throw attempts. And mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this at least once before, but if nothing else, they get to the free throw line. They might not be able to hit a shot or get an easy bucket, but they do do a really good job attacking the basket. Mm-hmm. So at least they have that going for them offensively. And I feel like some of these other teams that really, really struggle on that end of the floor, for whatever reason, don't have anything to lean back on. And Texas Tech at least has that, which is why I continue to be very confident in them. Unfortunately, they are they only shoot at 70% as a team. Yeah, they're not a great, line. right? They're not a great so, free throw shooting team. So, the, so they don't actually make relatively to the rest of the country. There are 225 teams that make more of the free throws that they get than Texas Tech, but it's I don't because there's part of me that's like there's no way I'm gonna pick them to win four straight games in March because I just don't to get to the final four because I just don't believe in their scoring abilities to that extent. But then also at the same time, they keep finding ways to win, to score enough points. And I I guess at some point, I guess at some point you just have to accept that for what it is that they, even if it's not a ton of points, they almost always find a way to score, to score enough. But um, right. You know, a team like this that has a lot of, you know, the 65, 62, 60 53 61 55 kind of wins uh are ones that give me pause but with that being said there are a few teams that know how to win basketball games and just find a way to win basketball games the way that the way that texas tech does and they can win that one game in the 80s right they they have proven they can do it on occasion the question is can they hold teams defensively and get three straight games where it's right 62 58 or 68 59 or whatever 
67, 61, and then survive the one game where it doesn't go to the to the formula that they've built. Yeah. Right. They can do it for short bursts. Can they do it enough to to get to a final four will be the ultimate question. Um, I promise I'm not copying you, but Texas Tech is my my winner. I just feel like there aren't any other options. No. You beat Baylor, you won at Texas. And they they end their season with Oklahoma, TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. Yep. I mean, they're probably, I mean, they might lose one of those games, but like, probably not. I wouldn't bet on them to lose any of those games. They got the hard part of the easy part of the schedule out of the way. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make Kansas win 15 games to win this conference. Now, Kansas has played one less game at this point. Um, they, and like you said, they're probably going to do it, but to, it, it looks like even though they're a game and a half back, they're only a game out in the win column, but two back in the loss column, um, that they're going to make Kansas win a ton of games to, to win this conference outright. So, and it, it, I just, I think it's cool when in a very elementary way that when a guy leaves a school that has turned him into what he is. And that's very much what Texas tech did for Chris Beard and Chris Beard to Texas tech. But I am very much a fan of seeing a program continue to thrive. Even when the guy that is supposed to just be completely synonymous with why they thrived in the first place leaves uh, that a guy steps in immediately uh, a guy like Mark Adams, and they just immediately keep winning basketball games. And when you look at their schedule, I mean, you're not that far away from them being closer to like 24 and three, even though they're, I mean, because you're, you're looking at a loss on the road to Providence and a double overtime loss to Kansas. They get, they kind of got handled by Oklahoma. That was one of those, that, that was the kind of game that's like, okay, you got to find yeah. a way to win that one. Um, when you just really can't hit the broad side of the barn. But uh, really good season for the Raiders. And, of course, this week was a really good week as well. And it's also a testament to Chris Beard that they that think the baseline and the culture is so strong that they don't even need him to continue it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a credit to Mark Adams and these players for continuing um, to hold themselves I, I, to I, that standard. Yeah, yeah, I'd much rather give credit to the <laughs> sure, guys that absolutely. are still there than the yeah, guy that absolutely. left. Um, Who's your loser? All right. Yeah, remember when Michigan State was part of that conversation of who are the four seeds? Nope. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's in the past now. Mm-hmm. They lost on the road to Penn State, which is just, you know, losing to Penn State. And then lost to Illinois at home. We'll, we'll get into that more later. They've lost four of five. The lone win in that stretch is at home against Indiana, which just doesn't do all that much for you. They had that really Nothing. Great... That does nothing for you, by the way. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a nice notch it, in the, the big 10 wind column, but I, su- I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> they had, right. They had this stretch where they were looking really, really good. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that that was not the, that is not the team they are. It's somewhere in the middle and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the interesting development that occurred in this Illinois game. It still ultimately wasn't enough. I don't know if it matters moving forward or not. It might, but. Yeah, they got themselves in a position where you thought they can just kind of do what you expect. They're going to be in the contention for a four or five seed, depending on how the Big Ten tournament goes. And now they got to do way more than what is expected with the rest of the schedule to get themselves back in that conversation. 
All right, let's play a different game. Uh, remember when Travis Steele said that Xavier, that the Xavier's goal this year was to win the Big East? Didn't he say that he expects them to win it? Yes. It was yes, more than a goal, what, right? He, he, did, he did not make it a goal. He made yes. it an expectation. Yeah. Um, Xavier's seven and eight in the, in, in, in the Big East. There's only one team not named St. John's, Butler, DePaul, or Georgetown that they're better than. And they're not even actually better than Seton Hall. They have the same record as Seton Hall. But this week, they got smoked at home by St. John's. Handled. 86-73. And then, just to add insult to injury, they lose to UConn. At UConn, that's not an embarrassing one, but they've not lost four. They lost five. Two of those to DePaul and St. John's, both at home. I don't care who you have or you don't have or I don't care. You got to I mean, like you can't. I mean, you you look stupid saying that type of stuff at the beginning of the season. And then you can't like like what are you doing? Like there's and we talked about this when he said it. There's a difference between delusional confidence and confidence. And 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 there's, there's, there's a difference between confidence and even the difference between delusional confidence and unrealistic expectation. And maybe unrealistic expectation a team like this to win a conference that only has 11 teams and it may be that it's really hard to have an unrealistic expectation because i guess there's a world in which things go perfectly and they're in the conversation to win this conference i guess but like to to say that and then because and like the other thing is that's just like because now you basically gave the athletic director to be able to say, Hey, remember when you said that you expected yep. us to win the conference and yep. we didn't even go 500. Yeah. Like, that's- like, that's just a stupid, like, that's a stupid thing to say. Not because, not because Travis Steele is stupid, but because it's a stupid thing to say. And, and it puts you in a position that immediately when you don't deliver, because like if they were seven and eight and he hadn't said that and like, yeah, it's a disappointing season for Xavier for sure. But like, since you know since the Trayvon Blewett JP Makura days like this is basically what Xavier is they're a eight games over 500 couple games over 500 in Big East play somewhere around 500 give or take a couple games and that's just what they are so like it's not like what they're doing is completely out of this world bad compared to what they have been since that team that was a one seed but your coach said that you expect to be one to win this conference. And, and, you know, so all of that just added insult to injury for their last five. They're now seven and eight. Um, and like, when you look at their schedule, it's not like you have a ton to hang your hat on when it comes to a resume, like their best win this season is probably Ohio state. At the beginning of the season, which is a solid win, a, a a solid win. Yeah, but when that's the best one you have this season, yeah. um. Anyways, but uh, specifically, what happened this week? Two zero oh, and two, four of the last five. Uh, Xavier's my loser. And yeah, and the other thing you kind of got to this. What I was going to add on is, not only are you putting a lot of pressure inherently by being a guy who's never contended for a conference and right. If Jay Wright said that now Jay Wright would never say that just because it's not 
how he operates. But if Jay Wright said that, nobody would bat an eye, even if they didn't win the conference. It just goes, oh, that was a little silly. But he's earned every right to do that. Right. So there's that part of it. But then there's also the part of, right, Travis Steele is to the point where he is coaching for his job. And so, like you said about the the optics of this for the athletic director, and now with, again, Chris Mack out there potentially available, it just is asking for trouble. Now, I mean, I guess you could say he's going out on his own terms, and if he does end up getting fired at some point, of I wanted to put those expectations on myself, and if I don't get there, I'll live with the results. But from a keeping your job standpoint, that was a monumental risk that obviously is not paying. Not, not at all, not at all. So that's winners and losers. We're getting, we're getting very close to the point where it would be dumb and redundant. I believe we have two more. Two more, right? Because the the tournaments are the fourth, fifth, sixth weekend. Yes. So we would have the Friday, the Monday, the seventh after that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that's what we're looking at in terms of winners and losers. But enough of the stuff that doesn't really matter, to be honest with you. Um, in case you're living under a rock and you don't have to be a college basketball fan to know what happened again, you know, what, you know what the craziest thing about this is, I mean, not the craziest thing, but you know, what's wild is that the, the sports world was dominated by a 14 point home win by Wisconsin mm-hmm. over an that, unranked opponent, over an unranked opponent. That's what dominated the sports world yesterday. Yeah. Now, granted, there's no NFL. The All-Star game was last night. So, like, there wasn't any NBA games, like, in the middle of the day. So, like, I get it. There wasn't a ton to compete. It's not like the bar was super high, but still. But it could have been Steph Curry and LeBron James. Right. But, but you know, Steph had 50, 16 of 27 from the three-point line. Can we talk about that first? When I saw, when I saw the three-point stat line, I just had to laugh. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 27 of them. <laughs> clearly i don't know if he had like a all right listen maybe it was like a i think people forgot how good i was just because how good like some of the big guys have been you know because the first month of the season i was like oh stuff mvp let's just give it to him right now um but a 77 63 win for wisconsin over michigan was the center of attention yesterday yesterday being sunday the 20th of february because what happened in the handshake line after the game so i'm gonna I'm going to lay out why the, the events that led to this. And then if you think I missed anything, then please add. Okay. Okay. So with 22 seconds left, Devonte Jones lay up to cut the lead to 15. Okay. 22 seconds left. The lead is 15. Josh, what does that mean? The game is. The, <laughs> over. Result, the result over. is determined over is the answer um and at this point greg guard has subbed in all of his starters he's got backups out there and on the basket Juwan howard chooses to press or something that looks really really close to a press since he wasn't he wasn't willing to go all the way to that was a press to continue to play aggressive they were defense. they were guarding full court whatever yeah. you want to call it they were guarding full court and so Six seconds go by, and in college basketball, if, if you have possession in the backcourt and you call a timeout, the backcourt violation timer resets. So Greg Gard, after Jawan Howard, shows that he is still coaching and playing this game, 
because the unwritten rule is that the guy on the wrong end of a blowout gets to decide when the game is effectively over. Mm-hmm. And until that point, and then, then the team winning, like you're, you're just a loser if you keep pushing. But until the, the losing team calls off the dogs, you have all the right in the world to keep coaching and keep playing. And that's what Greg Gard does. He calls a timeout to reset the backcourt violation so to give his backups the chance to get the ball across half court. Juwan Howard doesn't like this. Don't like it at all, Josh. He doesn't like it. Um, and so whatever, you know, they the inbound the ball. There's, you know, two more scores, I think, you know, in garbage time. There's a foul. And game's over. They meet at in the handshake line. Well, there was some lollygagging from Juwan. Yeah, Howard. I was going to say that. There was that's some lollygagging. I to throw yes. that's, we're, we're lollygagging from Juwan Howard. But then he comes to midcourt and – as he's shaking or as he is meeting Greg Gard right near the scorer's table, he says, basically, I'm going to remember that. I remember that you called a timeout there. And Greg Gard, who, you know, in theory, we don't know exactly what was said, in theory is like, hey, whoa, like you're the one who's still playing. That's why I called a timeout. But in the, in the act of trying to communicate that to Juwan Howard, Greg Gard, grabs puts his hand on he touches Jawan howard and Jawan howard really doesn't like that and so that turns into a you know it goes from i'll remember that to don't don't effing touch me like keep your hands off of me kind of thing and then it's a scrum and then the the and then you know so things are escalating and then something else is said because the guy that Jawan howard swings at what we're getting to here is Juwan Howard hit a Wisconsin assistant coach. Open hands, like, like I'm sure that matters from a legal perspective. Yeah, but people like, were saying yeah, originally, originally it was punch, and no. as far as I can tell, that was not a punch. No, it was it was an open hand aggression, act of aggression, um, with the intent to strike the the assistant coach. But that's the thing here. That's that I think is most interesting. We can get into this, and then, uh, but like. Yes, the yes, it started with Greg Gard and Jawan Howard, like their confrontation. But the guy that Jawan Howard swung at was a different Wisconsin coach. And so, you know, we don't know exactly. And at this point at 540 on Monday night, I haven't seen Maybe you've seen something, but I haven't seen anything about what that assistant coach said from, by, from a podcast I've already listened to that that host had reached out to said Wisconsin assistant coach and he declined to tell him what he said. So we don't know what he, what was said initially, but something he said caused Juwan Howard to try to hit him successfully. And then it just turns into right. Then the scrum gets bigger. And then, you know, the players get involved because when the coaches are fighting, you know what the players are going to do, they're going to fight too. Um, and there are actual punches thrown by players, and then it just gets to a really ugly and really embarrassing spot for Wisconsin and Michigan, and specifically for Jawan Howard and, and, and Greg Gard. Did I miss anything, and uh, where would you like to take it from here? Before we get into the serious stuff, I think there is one thing missing. Brad Davison insisted in a very admirable way, they stayed on the court and sang what I'm assuming was their alma mater, whatever song they sing at the end of the game. Uh-huh. I did. I have my frustrations with Brad Davison. 
but it was kind of I was I was touched here it, the the raw audio of mm. a minute and forty seconds or whatever. Most of it is just Brad Davidson yelling at anybody who will listen. We're staying. We're gonna sing. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of a cool. It was their home court. Mm. The opposing head coach was the one that smacked somebody in the face. We'll, we'll get into the details of this, but the idea of Brad Davidson saying, "No, we are staying. We're going to finish this post game routine. Get them off of the court." Yeah. I. I had a moment of respect for Brad Davidson that in a, an appreciation I had never had for him. Before. Sure. Yeah. That is not the important part of this though. So I wanted to get that out of the way first. Sure. 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 And, and feel free to jump in whatever you would like. Cause I could go on for 10 minutes about this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you laid it out exactly the way I would have, because my first thing is at every point in that Juwan Howard was the instigator. Right. If you go back to this was a result of this, the first thing that happened came from Juwan Howard. Right. He chose to he chose to continue to play defense. He chose to more or less threaten Greg Gard. Now, not in a physical way, but saying, right, I'm going to remember this. He chose to begin that confrontation. Those are sort of the two points for me that this breaks at. And those were both started now. That is not to excuse Greg Gard and the other people that then got involved and escalated this and Greg Gard was clearly not happy. And it seemed like he was very determined that Juwan Howard was not going to leave without having a conversation about why Greg Gard did what he did, right. which was completely logical. And credit to Greg Gard after the, he was completely calm talking about it after the game. He said, I didn't want, I didn't want my backups to, deal with the pressure. I wanted to reset the clock. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he didn't know the rule, but that's all I was doing. Mm-hmm. Now he was a little bit, a little bit less composed about that during the actual incident. Sure. And right. The fact that he touched them, not great. A lot of people, right. One person doesn't lead to the situation. A lot of people contribute, but there was one person who slapped somebody with an open fist Sorry, open hand. And that was Juwan Howard. So I, I'm right with you in terms of the timeline of events and kind of how to interpret that. You, can, you cannot get mad at somebody for continuing to coach when you are continuing to press. Yep. I don't want to hear that at all. And then we get to, okay, so what is the, what should be done about this? And that's the conversation I want to have and, and getting to a larger point here because I'm I'm not all that interested in should he or shouldn't he be fired. Michigan's going to make the decision. The statement ward manual, I believe that's his name, their athletic director put out, made it implied to me at least he's not getting fired, mm. which is a completely defend, defensible position. I don't think he's going to get fired because quite frankly, they don't want to fire him. If mm. they wanted to fire him, this would be a reason to. They don't want to fire him. So they're not going to. That's a lot of what this comes down to at the end of the day is do you want to keep your coach or do you not? Because you can justify firing just about anybody, right? And you can certainly justify firing Juwan Howard. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't have a major issue with that. My bigger thing, and I did see people getting to this, which made me happy because I was worried it was going to get lost. 
is he stood up there in, in that press conference. And he basically said, he started it objectively. Like you said about, about the Travis Steele thing, right? Not that Travis Steele is stupid, but that was an unintelligent thing to say. Mm. Juwan Howard acted like a child. I'm not trying to say Juwan Howard is a child. There's a big difference there. Yeah. But objectively speaking, his actions were, he started it. I don't like what you did, so I'm going to physically attack you. He acted like a child. He didn't apologize. He didn't take any responsibility. No. Nope. He said he touched me, and that was what escalated it. His, his justification was, I'm from the south side of Chicago, so I'm validated in my response. Right. And, and I'm not and – and, and, and me – I'm not here to to try and act like I know what it's like to grow yes. up on the south side of Chicago. John Howard has been through quite a lot. But yeah. I also know that I don't care where you grew up, that wasn't the correct response. Yeah. And and someone said, you know, and I've heard this a couple of different places, but like, you know why? Like, like what that is, oh, he touched me. I don't let anybody touch me. You know what that, that's toxic masculinity. It's horrible. It's just, like he didn't, he didn't attack you. Like you hit somebody, he put his hand on you to get you to stop. And right. Should have Greg Gard have touched him? No, probably not. No, that, that probably shouldn't have happened. But what's 100% true is that nothing happened there. That, and, and like, I almost don't even care what, what the assistant coach said to him. Like, like it would have to be really, really, really bad for me to be like, okay, I would have probably hit him too. Like really bad. And the thing that, the thing that is most frustrating for me and one of the, and essentially where I came down and I wrote about this earlier today, the, the most frustrating thing about this is, is a couple of things. Yes. Is, is the fighting embarrassing? Yep. Does it, is it a bad look for Michigan and Wisconsin as universities? Yeah. Is it a bad look for Jawan Howard and Greg Gard? Yeah. Um, but the thing that I think is lost in, in college athletics in general, like, like it's like the truly unfortunate thing is that these two men who lead 18 to 22 year old men yep. acted like children. Bingo. And, and what they communicated to their teams was that if you don't like something, go ahead and hit them. That's what Jawan Howard communicated. And, and then defend that as opposed to taking responsibility. Right. Even, right. If, even if you don't want to say, I was way out of line and should have never treated Greg Gard that way or whatever. At the very least, you acknowledge the impact this had on your players, your university, your athletic department, right? If you, if you just aren't in a place mentally where you can go talk about the other side of this because mm-hmm. you're just so upset about whatever happened, right? At the very least, you can talk about the impact you've had on the people you care about. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm right there with you. That's where we're in lockstep on this. That, that's the thing I hope doesn't get lost. And this is another example because there are all kinds of different ones, right? It's the frustration I have with all of the head coaches caught up in the NCA scandal who are just fighting it and trying to play it down and not acting like something under their watch went wrong. And there was illegal activity. I don't care if everybody does it. 
That doesn't mean you have to. Now, that's another discussion for another day. We don't need to get into that. It's the issue I have with Rick Pitino. When all that went down at Louisville, there was not a lot of, and I think ultimately, if I remember correctly, eventually he said something to the effect of ultimately it's my responsibility because it's my program. Mm -hmm. But it didn't seem like that was the first reaction. Right. He was using, I didn't know as a justification for why it was okay, rather than I didn't know what was going on in my program. And that's an issue because it's my job to know what's going on in my program. The underlying theme here is a lack of accountability. Yep. That was my, I'm right there with you. That was my big frustration. It's not exclusive to Juwan Howard or this situation. And right. Professional is a different conversation because those are people's you know, livelihoods you're talking about, it's a different universe. Mm-hmm. When you are signing up to be in a, yes, it's kind of cliche, but it's cliche for a reason and I will stand by this. Yeah, yeah you, are, you are a role model. That is part of your job when you are the head basketball coach at the University of Wisconsin or University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And this is the second time this has happened to Juwan Howard. Now, the, second, the first time didn't get physical. But th- this is the other part I wanted to, to get in there is now that you have put yourself in that position, I don't care what kind of comments come out when whatever punishment gets handed down. I don't care. To me, the apology is insincere at this point. Because I haven't seen, now maybe something happened today and I just missed it, but I was trying to look and find anything. And I haven't found, as of this recording, I've not found anything. Neither have I. And you know, even, even the athletic department comment that they put out right after, it didn't exactly completely go after him athletic director's name is ward manual i was trying to remember what it was yeah so the, the ward manual statement it certainly did not excuse the behavior and it held juan howard accountable it also mentioned something about extenuating circumstances so it was kind of in between mm-hmm. but right his school immediately said this is not okay yeah he couldn't even bring himself to say that which to me at this point it is too late for you to then go back and say that the damage has been done because clearly you're doing it to try and cover yourself and, or because somebody mm-hmm. told you to, mm-hmm. if he really felt that way, it would have been easy enough after calm me down for 20 minutes to say that during the press conference, it said he went the complete other direction. Mm-hmm. So we're at two strikes now. And this gets to the, okay, so what do you do if you're Michigan? And I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, to me, if you really, this goes back to sort of the Mark Few thing. If you really care, he's suspended through at least the big 10 tournament. Don't let him play a role in determining whether you make the NCAA tournament or not. If they suspend him for regular season games only, clearly they don't care. That's ultimately where I come down on this. But that's their choice. This cannot happen a third time. That's where I'm going to draw the line and say he needs to go. So if that means he needs to get some help, whatever it takes, if Juwan Howard cares about this and wants to keep this job, if I'm Ward Manual, if I'm that athletic department, that is what I am saying is I I honestly probably wouldn't fire him at this point. If I if I'm them, I don't think I'm firing him. But I am saying this is not happening again. You do whatever you need to. I don't want to hear excuses next time. There is there is no there is no next chance. You do this again, you're gone. End of story. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna be fired. Uh, if I were to guess, my guess would be that he's suspended through the rest of the regular season. That would be the way that would be. I, I'm, I'm probably in agreement with you in terms of what, like, there's part of me that thinks that he shouldn't be allowed to 
partake in any way, any way, shape, or form the rest of the season, whether I, they make the yeah, tournament or not. But I would approve. Of, I would approve of that and be pleased. I would also be surprised if that's actually what happens. But this is right. We can debate details all all we want to. We can go round and round and round about details. But as you said, this is about coaches doing better in their place of leadership because because Juwan Howard didn't Juwan Harold Howard failed that on Sunday Greg Gard failed that on Sunday because the reason he st- you know, be, the reason he stops Juwan Howard is because what he wants to be is right like mm-hmm. like you can also just like even like, like keep your mouth shut and keep walking let him say what he wants to say you're in your home building like you can just have that keep conversation walking. at different times yes Call him the next day and scream at him in private if you need to. But don't do it right there. Because that's why Greg Gard stops him right there. Because he wants everybody to see him stand up to Juwan Howard. And that's just not, it's just not necessary. Um, those both coaches, and this is where I ultimately came down, is that in general, the formative role that college head coaches have in the lives of young adults uh, has been lost at the expense of wins and losses Mm -hmm. because you know whether it's just behavior or cheating or not being held accountable or whatever it is it all comes back to the same thing and and that's that's truly unfortunate it is it's truly unfortunate that that no longer is character and like making sure you're you're teaching young people something is no and like i'm not naive i know it's not the most important thing anymore this is this is not me thinking that it was until yesterday that's not what this is right right this is just me being frustrated that that's that it's so far gone that Jawan howard yesterday hit somebody Mm -hmm. hit somebody like everybody else on the planet gets fired for hitting somebody in the workplace. Juwan Howard hit somebody in the workplace yesterday, straight up. And, and he didn't even apologize for it. Right. And that's, that's crazy that you stood in front of a microphone the first chance you got, and you didn't apologize. In fact, you came up with more excuses. Right. Like, hey, that's right. not a press. No, 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 that's not a press. That's that's the wild and truly unfortunate part of this. And the last thing I'll say is, and I was sort of texting with my friend about this. I was raving about Juwan Howard when he started this job and what he's done the past two seasons. Because I thought he had everything you wanted in terms of the kind of person you want your child to play for. Those leadership skills, the communication, the the investment in his players. And this doesn't, one awful mistake doesn't mean he doesn't have those things. But my point is simply, he's pretty high on the list of guys I would point to of everything that's right with college basketball still in the, mm-hmm. you know, modernized money driven world we live in. Mm-hmm. He made me feel good about college sports. And that very quickly has gone. Because I, I can't get over the I don't take accountability for this thing. Mm-hmm. That will be a permanent stain on his legacy. No matter what he does, I will never 
get over. It will forever change the way I view him as a leader and as coach. So mm-hmm. it's a very it's a good way to put it. Very, very good way to put it. Um, what else happened on the basketball floor you'd like to get to in the Big Ten and then we'll move elsewhere? Yeah, uh the other Michigan team, we talked about them a little bit earlier, Michigan State. Bizarre situation that it was eerily similar to the first time they played Illinois. They were a train wreck in the first half. All of a sudden, put it back together. Very nearly came back, but Illinois was just composed enough, and it never really felt like they were giving the game away. And so they found a way to make enough plays to hang on. The the only two sort of tactical things I want to say here, other than Illinois is just clearly the better team. In the first half, Michigan State was getting what they wanted when they put Kofi Coburn in ball screens. That is an area of weakness for Illinois. It's why Kofi Coburn is not going to be a first-round pick. Right. He is not Joel Embiid in terms of defensive abilities and defensive maneuverability, mm-hmm. even though they're the same weight, which I didn't know until this weekend. I believe they're the, basically the exact same Dude, dude Embiid is freaking huge. <laughs> like, like – it is wild how big he is considering yeah. what he does on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously they're not built the exact same, but that's, that's the kind of weight and power we're talking about here. Anyway, they just didn't take advantage of it. And Jay Williams kept harping on it in the broadcast. And it's one of those things with Michigan state point guards of just having a high basketball IQ and making the smart play. And when they did take advantage, they got a bunch of elbow jumpers that were more or less uncontested because you can't cover that when you put Kofi Coburn in the ball screen. It mm-hmm. puts him in a bad spot every time. Then the other thing, Tyson Walker had the half of his life in the second half to get them back yep. in this game. I didn't know he was capable of doing that. And I think Brendan Quinn tweeted something that was poignant of, imagine him doing that in the Colonial <laughs> in Northeastern <laughs> to those poor teams. Yeah. Maybe this means absolutely nothing, but obviously he struggled significantly at times this year. And if that wakes him up and gives him confidence to say, hey, I can really play with anybody in the country, right? That's Andre Corbello and Trent Frazier on the other side. Mm-hmm. That could be a season-changing development for Michigan State heading into the NCAA tournament. If this carries over, I have no clue if it's going to because what happens from game to game with this team is anybody's guess. But that was the one thing that was actually different was you hadn't seen that from him ever. Mm -hmm. That could change the complexion and it's absolutely worth the loss if it wakes him up and he becomes closer to what Tom Izzo hoped he would be. I'm just not convinced it's going to happen. Um, no, no, I would definitely be in the not convinced it's going to happen category, but, but you're, you, he wouldn't be the first guy first transfer ever to be like, Oh, Oh, I can against these guys. Oh, mm-hmm. I can. And at least it's in, in, of course, Tyson Walker is not going to go average 22 for no. the rest of the season. That's not going to happen, but also it might, you know, you know, if he goes and he's, he's all of a sudden averaging 13 a season, I mean, 13 a game um, because like, he was also like five assists to one turnover. Like he did, he was good, right? Apart from the fact that he just forgot how to miss yesterday or two days ago. The only other thing I'll say is that I am until like I've seen too many games where the Illinois box score looks like the following: 
these are the point totals for Illinois' team yesterday. 27, 24, 12. Those are their three leading scores. 8, 3, 2, 2, 0, 1, 0. Yeah. Andre Curbelo, part of that. Like, I, I am in, like, at the same time, like, if you get the right Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, Kofi Coburn, two weeks, then Illinois could end up in the final four. If those two, if those three guys play four straight really good games, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Illinois ends up in the final four. But there have been enough of these games where it was like, man, I, I mean, you, I needed Jacob Grandison to knock down six three pointers, right. and, and that's, like, that's yeah, he was the right, he was the other scorer, which is right, not how right, this is supposed right. to go. Right, the other guy wasn't Trent Frazier. Like if it was Kofi and Trent Frazier, and like every night you're getting, you're getting your twenty four from Kofi, and then you're getting twenty from somebody else. Hopefully, it's Trent for like right. So my point just being is that I've I've seen this kind of even though they went into the Breslin Center and got a win and and that's not lost on me I promise but and I suppose at some point it just shouldn't matter because they're still twelve and four through sixteen big Big Ten games so maybe I should just get over it but I, I I'm not to the point where I'm confident enough in what I'm getting from anybody other than Kofi Coburn. Um, when it comes to how many games they can win in a row in March. That's the only other thing I'll say. The, the nice thing is they have three or four guys that can be that second piece in any given Sure. That's, the other part is, is you true. can't necessarily count on any of them. Trent Frazier to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. but you don't know who that other guy is. Yes. Spe- speaking of box scores and eerily similar, uh, <laughs> Ohio State, you just sub in Malachi Branham for Dwayne Washington. He had 22 mm-hmm. in the loss to Iowa. And it looked about the same as last year. Same situation of who else is going to put the ball in the basket besides guard and EJ Liddell. Uh-huh. And here comes Iowa with their first quality win of the season. Huge, huge win for Iowa. To get, right, they, they're in that weird category. And North Carolina also got one of these. These teams just usually beat the teams they're supposed to, and then they don't have any quality wins. Those two teams in particular – Mm-hmm. are were sort of in Iowa's case moving their way toward the bubble in North Carolina's case playing themselves sort of off of the bubble mm-hmm. by not getting these quality wins because North Carolina has you know the bad losses Iowa doesn't right. but North Carolina got a quad one win Iowa got a actual quality really good win mm-hmm. that they desperately needed and Keegan Murray is he's so good I mean that's nothing new. It's not a, obviously not a hot take, but from a three level scoring perspective mm-hmm. of just a dude who came out of nowhere, yep. he yeah he's going to hear his name called pretty early come NBA draft time. I uh, I would agree. I would agree for sure. And you know the, the other, you know us being here in Indiana, the, that's the last thing that the that the Hoosiers needed for how people feel about them because they play at Ohio State tonight and like it's just makes the look even worse when they lose at Ohio state tonight um, that Ohio state just lost at home to Iowa by 13 because, but you know, poor IU, but you know, I, I kind of get a, I kind of get a kick out of that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, 
just all these teams I want to I wanted to make them my winner but they all had these losses in there too right yeah. nobody nobody put it together over you know North Carolina's put it over a stretch but right had the, the pit loss in there so it's been 26 years since Auburn lost oh, it has beaten Florida at the Odom <laughs> I believe 1996 is what I saw was the last time that they won at Florida. Isn't that wild? That is quite that's a really That's a really, that's really impressive. That's a really long time to, uh, to not win in a building, especially when you play them every single year. Um, did I jump the gun? Do you have anything else you need to talk about? No, no. It's, yeah, let's jump okay. to the SEC. Jabari Smith was really, really good. 28-7 and a block and assist 10 of 11 from the free throw line and uh you know walker kessler was fine didn't have a block which is kind of wild the walker kessler didn't yeah have only a block. three i mean minimal rebounds yeah it was, he, was uh, he, he was quiet for his standards and, and partly due to colin castleton having a good game 19 points eight rebounds three blocks two steals one assist um apparently florida has just you know an all NBA level scorer on their team and Tyree Appleby, 26 points, got to the free throw line a bunch, 50% from three point line, all that fun jazz. But what you got at the end of the day was Florida escaping with a 63 62 win over Auburn. And they tried their darndest to give it away. They're up by seven with like a minute and a half left. And Auburn had a, you know, had the ball at the end of the game with the chance to, with the chance to win it. But uh, are you, are you, what kind of response are you having to this, to this kind of loss other than this was a, you know, a close SEC game on the road and sometimes you just lose them? My, my reaction is we have found Auburn's weakness. Which would be? Talk to me. It's the same thing I mentioned after the other loss. It's those guards. Zep Jasper, Wendell Green were 211 from the field with a combined five points. Now, Zep Jasper's still working himself back. He's still trying to, you know, get sort of back into game shape and comfortable again. And more specifically, Wendell Green was. Wendell Green had it. Yeah. (laughs) Wendell Green, right. Zep Jasper just didn't impact the game. Wendell Green impacted the game negatively. Right. And And it's it's not like Katie Johnson was great either. The only reason he had 12 was because he got to the free throw line six times. He didn't shoot all six of them. He didn't shoot the ball well. All of the guards didn't shoot the ball well. Right. That is what separates the and, and elevates Auburn. I guess that's how we how I should put it. Similar to Ty Ty Washington for Kentucky. The guard play is what elevates Auburn to put them in a conversation for being the best team in the country. And and it didn't help that Walker Kessler also didn't have a great game, as we mentioned. So they had some things go wrong and still almost found a way to win. Right. A game that right, they haven't won in you know, our lifetime, <laughs> but if, if you can find a team that can make life uncomfortable for those guards and they have a bad shooting night, you can get anybody can get, maybe not anybody come into a tournament time. You can get to them earlier than I thought you might be able to. Mm-hmm. They have not been as consistent recently as I expected them to be. And as they had been, that was the thing I kept harping on is you can't really point to a bad game. They've had now you can and it's clear that the trend that's emerging is it's not an issue with it's not a question of Jabari Smith. They can survive with Jabari Smith as a bad game. It's when the guard collective and those three in particular don't give you much of anything. 
either you got to have all world performances from Kessler and Smith, or you are going to be in trouble most times. Doesn't mean they're going to lose every time, but that is a formula for them to get knocked out way earlier than they should. And the other thing is, in a, to, you know, as an extension, is that when you get into Right, because if there's one thing that you need Jabari Smith to really get better at, if we're talking about him as an NBA draft prospect, it's, and of course he's very good, but like he's not, like the biggest difference between him and Kevin Durant right now, offensively, is that Kevin Durant has the ball in string, what and, and Jabari Smith just doesn't, and so what happens, and I, you know, we've talked about this a billion times, that when the guards are playing well, then you're a little bit scared of them. And then you have this first team, all American front court, Mm -hmm. but when they're really struggling, then it's kind of like, okay, where do we go at the end of the game to get, have somebody to create a shot now, like Jabari Smith in like a two man game is very scary. And of course he can get, he can get any shot off that he has a chance to get off, but he's not Kevin Durant in the sense of, well, nobody's Kevin Durant, but the point being is that when there's 12 seconds left, you we're not to the point with Jabari Smith where you can just throw the ball into him and get out of his way and let him go make a play. That's just not who he is yet. And maybe he'll never be, but like probably definitely, probably definitely. I hate it when people say that. Um, And probably he's never going to be that at Auburn. If he does that, it'll be several years yeah. you know, down the road when he is playing in the NBA, it's not going to be in the 2022 NCAA tournament. So to add on to what you just said, I'm, I'm a big late game being able to put the ball in somebody's hand, what, you know, Jared Butler, Jalen Suggs, Cassius Winston, you know, we can go, you know, Kamar Baldwin, clutchest player in college basketball two years ago and it wasn't particularly close shouts to kb hope he's well um but you can point to that as well especially on the nights you know and there are going to be nights where wendell green can't miss but there even on the nights where wendell green can't miss there are there's a long list of guys that you know that are better in the final minutes than wendell green is no matter how good he's been the you know earlier in the night um, so that's another thing I would, I would add mm-hmm. there about, you know, if they are late in games, if the guards aren't playing well, where do you go if you need somebody to create a basket? Yep. Jabari Smith can get a shot off. He doesn't get to his spot. Yeah. This is the difference between him and Paulo. And what's so impressive about Paulo yep. is Paulo. 100%. Paulo is a lead at that. Great he gets point. where he wants. Great point. Yep. Now, 100%. He's not, he's not, he's not the same shooter. He doesn't have the same smooth offensive game at times Jabari Smith does. But yeah, that is the, that is the issue is Jabari Smith sort of plays within the system more mm-hmm. and he can't right. He can shoot at any moment because he has that Kevin Durant wingspan thing going on and height thing going on, but right. He doesn't impose his will. It must you be know. so easy to be six times. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's, that's the difference in the other concern. It's a good point is yeah, they are, it's a, it can be a little jumbled on those sort of quote unquote set plays late in games. And with that being said, I mean, Auburn is fine. They still do a lot right. of things really well, oh, but yeah. to the point of this conversation is like, we're to the point in the scene where it's like, okay, why is Auburn yep. not going to get to the final? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, for, that's just what we're pointing out there. Okay. Uh, you got anything else for, from that game or anywhere else in the SEC? Couple, couple other SEC things. Hit me. Uh, I don't care where you play. 
Kentucky beating Alabama, particularly Alabama, without their backcourt, awfully impressive. Yes. All five starters played at least 36 minutes. <laughs> now, the bench, you know, did well for the three minutes those guys were in there. Mm-hmm. But- and to, right, and we're not overreacting here because really, like, you're, you know, Davion Mintz and Jacob Toppin, like, that's your, that's your bench depth right, right there. Right, right. And and they combined for twenty and eighty minutes worth of action. So like this is not a depth issue. This is a we had no front court backcourt yeah, issue. Right. Yeah. I, you, the two guys who were banged up that maybe they shouldn't have been playing. They they did play, and so now they're both out. Mm-hmm. And right. So you bring your two. Right. They got seven guys who are capable of starting. Would have been eight if CJ Frederick were healthy. Mm-hmm. So you just play the other five guys practically the whole game and. It's still a very accomplished college player in Davion Mintz, an elite shooter in Kellen Grady, an uber athlete who showed real promise in Jacob Toppin, a phenomenal player in Keon Brooks, and arguably the player of the year in Oscar Seaboy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a bad starting five, and that's without Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. That's how good and, these guys are, one through seven. And and not to mention that they looked like pretty mundane in the first half. Yeah, it wasn't like, a yeah. And, and I say that to say like they're now like ten at one point. You know, Slow halfway start. through mm-hmm. halfway through the first half, yeah. and it, it was like almost oh, is is are they just not that? Are they just good? Not of course that backcourt is when they're playing well. That's what takes them from good to a you know from really good to a team that can win a national championship. Of course that can that can go without being said, but what the, the the truly impressive thing was without that backcourt they were able to like just take control of the second half and not really give it back mm-hmm. that was that was an impressive thing for me was that they found a way to take control of that game without them yeah um, it wasn't it, was, sure. it wasn't a coasting wire to wire thing at all right if you told me that they were going to win by nine after the first 10 minutes of the game would be like really they're going to win by nine because the uh, it got to the point where it's the only way they're going to win this game is if they win by two and they might lose it and that just wasn't the way it wasn't the way it happened yep. but uh yeah that's a that's a that's a scary basketball team for sure indeed you see, you guys, you can't see it on the podcast, but, but Josh just couldn't help with the smile nope. because because he was locked in at the very beginning of the season. He was locked in. Matt Painter, I love you. I'm still right there with you, buddy. Right there. Um, okay, where do you, you got Big 12, SEC? You got more SEC? Other, other thing I wanted to mention, and I, I got the Big 12 stuff. I just want to talk about Texas Tech's free throw shooting. So we already covered that. Oh, okay. Cool, I, cool, I momentarily cool. forgot they were my women when I mentioned that to you. Off mm. Offer. Uh, Tennessee, yikes, <sighs> went back to being Tennessee of old. The, the guards got them 30 points. I mean, that's pretty good. Mm. They didn't get anything else from anybody else. But you Literally. Know, <laughs> it's, not a good, it's not a good night when you score thir- when your guards score 30 and they have like 60% of your points. Yeah, it's, it's not that's, good. That's not, that's not what you want to see. That's I, not I, a- I was... Yeah, I was very curious about this game to see if that progression could continue because obviously that's a that's a difficult one on the schedule. It's not a concern they've lost this, but we talked about how the, the offense was seemingly making progress here, and all of a sudden if it starts clicking a little bit, they're incredibly dangerous. 
and it's not like Kennedy Chandler had a horrendous game and it all fell apart. Now, Arkansas is playing as well as anybody in the country right now and is obviously very good defensively. So this wasn't entirely shocking. I just was very curious how Tennessee was going to perform. And I just want to also give a shout-out to Jalen Williams. You know, J.D. Note gets a lot of the love because he's the guy that puts the ball in the basket. Jalen Williams is a monster. He just does everything. He's around all the time, making plays, rebounds, block shots, dunks, whatever it might be. He is he's playing phenomenal right now. And his his elevation this past, you know, past few weeks is a, a big reason why all of a sudden they're looking like a top 15 team, top 10 team in the country, kind of out of nowhere. Of course, they had the potential, but it took them a while to get going. And that duo is scary. All aboard the must bus, baby. <laughs> All aboard. Um, I'm I'm out of things to say. You got anything else to add before we get out of here? I think we've said enough things. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, real quick, um, not a ton of top twenty five via top twenty five versus top twenty five matchups between now and when we speak to you again. Well, that's not true because we won't be around on Thursday. No Thursday pod this week. Um, so there actually are quite a few games, right? But uh, the the front half of the week, the 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 only top twenty five versus top twenty five matchup is in the Big, Big East. Big, in the Big East on uh, on Tuesday, Villanova at UConn. Uh, that's a big time one there. Um, as we go through the rest of the week, really a, a fairly slow week. Kentucky gets LSU at Kentucky, but that was well, that would be much more interesting a month and a half ago. Uh, Ohio, Ohio yeah. State is at Illinois. That's a big time one. That's a really and big one. San and, Francisco gets there. Oh, and we get San Francisco. We, we get we get the Dons welcoming the Bulldogs of Gonzaga. I mean, they, like, look, they looked remember? awfully good for 15 minutes the first time they played. I'm right. just saying. You're, you're right. They did. Uh, Saturday, Purdue is at Michigan State at the Breslin Center. Purdue gets all week off, by the way, which is an interesting one as they sit half a game ahead of everybody else in the Big Ten that they sit back in. You know, this is like their week-long you know, teams get that like they, they play to, Saturday and then they don't play yeah. again until the next Saturday. They got one of those a month ago or so. Yeah, maybe they get a couple of them. I, I don't feel know. Like Matt Painter's playing tricks on the schedule. Got a really big <laughs> SEC game on on a Saturday. Kentucky is at Bud Walton Arena uh, against Arkansas. That's massive. Auburn is at Tennessee uh, in Knoxville. Um, the, the SEC will take center stage, but Kansas is back at Baylor on Saturday. Good, good weekend of college hoops. Gonzaga, you know, maybe they lose at San Francisco. Probably not. Uh, they do go to St. Mary's, uh, St. Mary's the closest competitor to them in the, uh, in the WCC. Remember when we were like, Hey, let's uh, have a conversation about, can anybody keep pace with Gonzaga now? Now there's only one no. team within four games. <laughs> only one team within four games. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no podcast on Thursday. So enjoy the week. Enjoy the hoops, and uh, we'll be back a week from today to talk about whatever we need to talk about at that point. Who knows? Maybe like 
maybe you know, you know what we saw on Sunday. There's no telling what's going, what might happen in the sport between between now and then. But whatever it is, we will adjust accordingly and chat about it. Then please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast and that podcast, Spotify, and a Google Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the Podbean. Please, I'm begging you. And uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back on Wednesday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we'll see you later.